I'm back. <laughs> brother Richard, I want to thank you for the privilege, brother. Um, so, sometimes uh, life just happens, doesn't it? And uh, you get to feeling bad, and so um, God knew that ahead of time. I, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And I, I didn't talk to Brother Richard. I don't know how his Christmas series has been going. But I want us to look at a text this morning that, that honestly is often overlooked during the Christmas season, and it's Mary's visit to Elizabeth. It's a very important passage of scripture that reminds us that only God could have done this. Only God could have orchestrated what we call Christmas. And as the reminder of Advent um, this morning was playing through my mind and I was thinking about joy and honestly I had been wrestling uh, with, with a message last night, I'm not going to preach it, but on that theme of joy that comes out of the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the evidences of the f- work of the Spirit in your life and mine that we live joyfully. But it is because of the joy of Christmas, and because our Lord and Savior, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross, scorning or despising its shame. Jesus loves you and me, doesn't He? So I want us to look at Luke chapter 1 and just see a couple of things I, I I entitled this message, our, our God, or Only God Could Have Done This. And as you read through Luke chapter 1, <clears throat> you will know that uh, Mary has just had a supernatural, miraculous visit from an angel. And she's been given some supernatural, miraculous news that she, a virgin, is going to be with child. And this is going to be no ordinary child. This child is going to be the Savior of the world. And her response to that news, we read in verse 38, she says, Behold, a bond slave of the Lord. In other words, I'm surrendered to you, Lord. I'm yours. I'm all yours. May it be as you have said that it would be. God, may it happen exactly the way you just described to me through this angel. And then we come to our text. Verse 39 says, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth, who we know was a relative. Mary had been told about Elizabeth's also supernatural, miraculous conception. Though hers happened through natural means, she was past childbearing years, and God had promised that he was going to give them a child. And Mary finds out that it's happened. 
And she's six months along. And so she goes to see her relative, Elizabeth. One of the things that I see in this text, we see in Elizabeth's response to Mary's greeting. And that is simply this. As you and I celebrate the love and the hope and the joy of Christmas, ultimately the peace of Christmas, we need to confess God's work. That's what we see Elizabeth doing here. Elizabeth is going to confess that she knows that God is at work. Does He work in your life? I know He does. We need to tell other people about God's work, not just in our own life, but as we see God working in the world. So Mary comes and she enters the house and she greets Elizabeth. Now we don't know what Mary said to her. We, the assumption is that Mary said nothing about her miraculous conception. The assumption is that Elizabeth doesn't know what's going on in Mary's life. But God did. And so when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby who would be John the Baptist leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed, who had faith that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. In other words, Mary, because of your faith in God's work, surrendering to His work, you are blessed. I wish I knew what Mary told Elizabeth when she got there. It may have just been shalom, peace. But can you imagine, ladies, can you imagine a baby inside of you doing a somersault? That gets your attention. Our son, Philip, who's now 26, I think, Or he will be 26. He will be 20. He's 25. Anyway, he was a bad kicker when he was inside of the womb of my bride, Julie. And that dude would kick sometimes, and I swear I thought his foot was going to poke through. I thought we was going to have one of those alien movie events. But Mary gets there, and she greets Elizabeth And the baby inside of her, who would be the forerunner of the Messiah as prophesied. God was at work even in the life of an unborn child. 
And that child, with joy, I say did a somersault in his mother's womb. He leaped. When we see God at work, let's confess that to one another. Why? Because it gives us hope. It reminds us that God is still God. He's still on His throne. He still loves us. He still can, whatever the situation may be. He's at work. It reminds us of His love, of His covenant love that does not end. It reminds us that there is hope in Jesus. And it brings joy to our lives. Now Mary's going to begin to speak and her, her song of praise, which is often called Mary's Magnificat, her song of praise, Mary is going to begin to speak. Excuse me just a moment. <clears throat> Sinus medicine dries you out. And I don't know what blooms in the wintertime, ragweed and something else. I don't, get, I don't get sinus stuff in the springtime. I get it in the wintertime, which is weird. But maybe some of y'all struggle with that too. But as we begin to read in verse 46, Mary's song of praise, there's, there's celebration. There's joy. The candle that was lit today, as we celebrate and continue to celebrate Advent and look forward to next week. Next week is Christmas Eve. The next time you gather, the next Sunday morning that you gather together will be Christmas Eve. And oh my, what all would have been going on in Mary and Joseph's life. We get a glimpse of it. On the eve of the birth of the Savior of the world. And so Mary celebrates God's work in her life. This Christmas season, I hope that you have reasons, many reasons, to celebrate God's work in your life. Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord or magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Why? Why, Mary? Why, why are you magnifying the Lord? Why are you rejoicing in Him? For He has regard for the humble state of His bond slave. One of the things I don't think I ever noticed before in, in, in this particular passage of Scripture is Mary is, <clears throat> excuse me, as Mary is praising God, She's referencing Scripture. She's referencing Old Testament Scripture. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give you all the Scriptures because some she quotes, some's just a reference to. But Mary had filled her life evidently with the Word of God, and as she's praising God, as she's celebrating what God is doing in her life, as she celebrates what who God is. She references what His Word says about that situation. Some of them are prophetic. And so Mary says, He has regard for the humble state of His bond slave, of His servant, 
of the one who said, Lord, let it be as you said it would be. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Not just anybody, but the mighty one. Jehovah God. Mary recognized that it was God at work in her life. And what he was doing in her life brought joy that resulted in outward praise. But she goes on. So confess God's work. Celebrate God's work in your life. Celebrate God for who he is. We, we see that in verses 49 and 50. She says, for the mighty one has done great things. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is mighty. There's not anybody that even comes close to being like our God. He is mighty. And that's why often in Scripture we will see this phrase. This phrase was spoken to Mary. A few verses before where we started. Actually, right before her response, when she said, for nothing, or the angel said, for nothing is impossible with God. Why? Because he's mighty. He can do anything. He can say, let there be, and there was. The very first sentences of Scripture, God said, let there be, and there was. He's mighty. And holy is His name. He's not just all-powerful, but He's holy. And this Christmas season, as we celebrate His love, as we celebrate the hope that Jesus brings, as we celebrate joyfully because we have experienced the Prince of Peace. We are also called to be like the Prince of Peace. Holy. Be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. And so if there's an area in your life that you struggle with, that you know doesn't please God, remember, He wants you to be like the one whom He sent to die for you. He wants you and I to grow in Christ-likeness. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit actually is all about. It's about how you and I can grow in our relationship with Christ and be more like Him. He's called us to be holy. And His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. Now this is a direct quote out of Psalm 103, verse 17, where we are reminded that God's mercy or loving kindness is how it's often translated in the Old Testament because it's the Hebrew word chesed. It's God's covenant love. It's that love that... It's that love that 
that, that He had for, for Israel when He said, You will be My people. And though you stray from Me, though you worship idols, I, I love you, I will continue to love you, I will discipline you, but I will always love you. And you and I experience that same love through the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to know Him as Lord and Savior and you surrender your life to His Lordship and your sins are forgiven, the slate's wiped clean, and you can walk in hope and peace and joy because of God's love, we experience that kind of mercy. Now when Luke wrote this, he was quoting out of the Greek version of the Old Testament that we know as the Septuagint. And the Greek word is often translated mercy, but it's God's steadfast love, His loving kindness. There's a psalm, and I always forget the number of the psalm. One of y'all may know it. It's the one that says, for His mercy endureth forever, like 316 times. It's the same word. It's the same word. It's, it's His loving kindness. Celebrate God for who He is. He is mighty, but He's also holy. And He calls us to be holy. But He knows that you and I can't do that on our own. Not a chance. We need the Holy Spirit of God working in our life. We need His power to be holy. And the fact that He would give us what we need through Himself to be holy is evidence that He is merciful. That His mercy endureth forever. So celebrate God for who He is. And then lastly, celebrate God for what He does. And these all kind of go together. Elizabeth has confessed that God is at work and Mary continues the theme and she confesses that yes, indeed, God is at work and He's been at work in my life and here's here's why and here's who He is and here's why I rejoice and here's some of what He does in general. Mary goes on and says, He has done mighty deeds with his arm. What does that mean? It means he acts on behalf of his people. God always acts on behalf of his people. We don't always see it, but God always acts on behalf of his people. We see that he extends mercy to the poor. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and sent away the rich empty-handed. God's compassionate, and He extends mercy to the poor. Those, yes, sometimes who are physically poor, but you know who He extends mercy to the most? Those who are poor in spirit. As Jesus began teaching what we know of as the Sermon on the Mount, He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? It means that I come before God and I realize that in and of myself, I have nothing to offer 
I'm bankrupt spiritually. From a spiritual sense, I'm bankrupt before God. And only when I come before God, realizing that without Him I'm nothing, I have nothing to offer, I have nothing upon which to boast, I am bankrupt spiritually before God. Only then can I mourn over my sin, which is what Jesus is talking about next when He said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I can mourn over my sin, which leads to repentance. And then I can experience the love of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? God loves to extend mercy. Now Mary mentions people who were really physically poor. But she also mentions the humble. We want to be that way before our God. Here's the last thing. As we celebrate God for what He does. He remembers His promises. He's faithful. He does not forget. He's not, he's not slack in fulfilling His promises. He does them in His time. He does them His way. The Jews had been waiting 400 years. And God was silent. And when we come to the New Testament, God shows up. And as Paul would say in the fourth chapter of Galatians, at just the right time, He sent His Son into the world, born of a virgin. God's faithful. He remembers His promises and He fulfills them. Mary ends this way. He has given help to Israel, His servant, in remembrance of His mercy, in remembrance of that covenant, steadfast, loving kindness. As He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and His descendants forever. And then we read Mary stayed with her about three months and returned to her home. So often, Christmas is one of those seasons that we love. But it can become a routine. We, do, we know what to expect. Even in church, we kind of know what the preacher's going to preach about. And it can become a little too familiar. And we miss the God of Christmas. I pray this Christmas season that you will experience Him afresh and anew. That you will see who He is and what He does in your life and in the life of others in a fresh new way. And each Sunday as you have lit the appropriate Advent candle, one to go, actually two to go, but they kind of go together. I pray that the love of God would overwhelm you. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. 
I pray that you would realize the hope that we have in Jesus. And if you have never surrendered your life to him, I pray that that happens. I pray it happens today. I pray that that, that God has spoken into your life in such a way that you know you don't need anything except Jesus. And I'm glad there's no magic prayer that we have to pray to to receive Christ. We have to come humbly before Him, brokenhearted over our sin, willing to turn from it, repentance. Knowing that, that the rest of our life will not be perfect, but He will walk alongside of us and help us. <clears throat> and when I blow it, and I do, He will pick me up. Discipline me where necessary. And continue walking with me because He is faithful. And even on those days when I'm not very happy, I can still have joy because they're not the same. Happiness depends on what happens in my life. Circumstances. Joy doesn't depend on that. Joy is dependent upon Jesus in my life. As I pray you experience all of that in the peace of Christ which passes all understanding. This world, we, we, we pray for peace. The Prince of Peace is the one who can bring peace. And you know his story. And you have that story to share with others. We call it the gospel. But you have a personal story where you can celebrate who God is and what He's done in your life, and what He can do in someone else's life. And so I invite you to stand with me this morning. Let's go to the Lord.